The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's the pocket. And To the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85 yards. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires end zone. It's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Qinator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. It's time for the weekend mailbag. So for that, we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. What's up, Chris? Uh, Not too much. You know, just uh, fresh off uh, celebrating a big uh, MLS victory for my my, uh, lifelong Portland Timbers. (laughs) <laughs> I've been a lifelong fan of them now, you know, ever since watching the group stage of this tournament and adopting them. And uh, now, you know, I've been busy celebrating all night. You are a lifelong fan of the Portland Timbers, like the guy that discovered cherry pie last week and is a lifelong fan of cherry pie. I mean, hey, that guy likes him some cherry pie. And I am not here to question his devotion to Terry <laughs> Let's dive into the questions, Chris. First one comes in from our buddy Peter J. Dillard. He says, gentlemen, do you think the team is actively looking for another wide receiver to help Darnold? Or is it a passive wait and see if someone shakes free? How satisfied are you with the current wide receiver core? So here's what I would say. I think that they're not going to be looking to make some sort of big move. Like I know a lot of people have talked about trying to trade for Juju or something like that. The Steelers aren't training Juju anyway, but I don't think they're looking to do anything like that. I do think that Joe Douglas could be poking around. Maybe if there's somebody he likes that could be available for a late round pick, he would consider it sort of like what happened with Nate Hairston last year. I do also think that they're going to be sitting around and waiting to see who gets released, but I wouldn't be expecting any big name. I think if you see anything, it's probably going to be some nondescript veteran or a younger player that they take a shot at, like a Vincent Smith? First, let me just say I, I'm not very uh, sold on this current group as is. Uh, I have my doubts and questions about Brashad Perriman, um, especially his ability to do it for uh, a whole season in, in an offense that's not chucking the ball all over the field like Tampa Bay was, and without having Mike Evans and Chris Godwin there as well. Um 
And then as much as I like Denzel Mims, I, I, I have no expectations for him this season. And it's, it's not saying that he can't have a, a good rookie season. I just can't possibly sit here and begin to even formulate like what I expect of a, of any rookie receiver in this a type of year, in this type of situation. You get, uh, you know, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, obviously they were more NFL ready right off the bat, but they're also going into better situations, especially C.D. Lamb just gets to the slip right into that Cowboys offense uh, playing alongside Mike Gallup and Amari Cooper with Dak Prescott and the rest of that offense. You, you can expect maybe try to gauge what you expect out of them. Denzel Mims, this offense, uh, Adam Gase, uh, Darnold, good year three, but mono free now. I, I don't know what to possibly uh, expect out of Denzel Mims. Um, and again, even the best rookie receiver years don't tend to be that great um, as far as like contributing and helping a team really win. Um so I think that they have to be looking to upgrade some, but yeah, they're they're not trading for Juju, and I'm saying that mostly because I don't think the Steelers are can even entertaining that idea. Um, you know, months ago we were talking about uh, someone like Curtis Samuel. If he became available, I do think that that might be something they'd be willing to do. They could get it. Uh, it wouldn't cost them so much. But right now, I have no reason to think that the Panthers are looking to do that right now. That's, that's another thing. I just don't think that teams are going to be looking to be wheeling and dealing quite as much this year. That could just be a feeling I have. I could be completely wrong here. But with so much uncertainty and we're still trying to figure out when teams are going to practice and all this, and it just seems that, that I would think that teams might want to try to shy away from adding more to that. But again, I could be wrong. Um, I I think that you'll wait, have to really wait and see. And, you know, you could maybe if somebody comes available for a late round pick, but I think you're going to have to deal with training camp cuts as really the upgrade there. Uh, there's just not a lot of options, even if you are willing to uh, give up a lot, which again, the Jets aren't going to be willing to do. But even if you were, there's not a lot of options to upgrade that receiver at this point in time right now. I should add that I'm with you as far as not being super impressed with this wide receiver core. I like Crowder. He's a nice player. I yeah. like the upside of Mims. Perriman, he's shown some flashes, particularly last year, the last few games, but I don't trust him. Vincent Smith might be something. I know that the team likes him, but what exactly <laughs> you're getting out of him, who knows? Berrios seems to me to be more of a punt returner that every once in a while will get a look but very rarely so I do think this is one of the weaker wide receiver cores in the league but if some of these guys live up to their potential they could surprise they may or may not do that though so that's why right now we have to judge just on what we know and what we know is that at least on paper this is one of the weaker wide receiver units in the NFL next question comes in from gangrene Germany I love this Chris how great is this we have listeners in new zealand in canada in the uk in brazil 
all over the world. It's incredible. I'm so blown away by that. They say, who do you think will get the most snaps besides Avery Williamson as the second inside linebacker? Looks like there will be a strong rotation, but somebody has to be the starter on the depth chart. Who and why? Thank you for your daily information and entertainment. We love your show. Well, thank you so much for listening. It means a lot. As far as who's going to be the other starter, I think it's going to be that guy whose name I can't pronounce yet. Once the season starts and I'm hearing his name on TV... I'll be able to pronounce it properly. It took me a long time to be able to say Tua Tagovailoa, so bear with me on this. But that's the guy that I think is going to end up being the other starter. And then I think that you're going to have Burgess and Hewitt as your depth pieces, which is as it should be. So I think that's who you'll have. You'll have that guy that they just got from the Ravens alongside Avery Williamson as your two starting inside linebackers. Before I get into the weeds of answering this question, I'm just going to agree with your philosophy about names real quick, because this is that's exactly what I do. I see a name. <laughs> if I haven't heard it, I go, I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to try to butcher it. I need to hear this first. And once I hear it a couple of times, I can phonetically sound it out and then get it down. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa is a perfect example of this. I remember uh, when Namdi Asamoah was a uh, – a free agent uh, when I first started covering this was more about me learning to spell it but I had to break it down into like sections so I could learn to spell it and uh, I did the same thing with Dom Sue. you can do this very easily but if you don't hear somebody say the name you don't know how to say it so I don't even bother um I agree with you I do think uh that now I think there's hope and expectations that Blake Cashman can play more of a role in this but we'll have to wait and see i again like he had a really strong training camp last year and started the preseason good and then it it fell off quickly so i'm not saying to have high expectations that this will happen but i do think that the jets are hoping that he can be more of a contributor and maybe get more playing time over burgess and hewitt uh that remains to be seen but i do think that's a possibility to be uh that they'll be looking at Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Joe Horning. He says, was the thought of releasing Winters increased because someone like Clark looked good during meetings? Seems weird to release him or not ask for a pay cut when the line has poor depth. Also, is Warford still an option with the extra cap space? So you and I talked about this, Chris, when Winters was actually released. And they haven't really had a look at Clark yet, so that can't be what it is. It just has to be that they decided that they didn't think he was realistically going to be able to beat out Van Roten and didn't think he was worth the $7 million. I never thought he was worth the $7 million, so I always thought that at some point it would make sense for them to try and renegotiate his deal, but since they didn't do that, they went ahead and released him. I understand it, just think the timing was a little bit odd. And then as far as Warford, from what I remember hearing, I think he's opting out of the season. He's not going to play. But even if he was, I don't think the Jets would be an option for him because he was looking for a multi-year deal and the Jets are not looking to give any of those out right now. This is a cap-saving move, a money-saving move, but it's it's not – like I want to be careful how I frame this because it's not that they sat here and they're like, we traded Jamal, we uh, C.J. Mosley opted out, so let's clear out all the money possible and, ta- and it's definitely not tank. Um but it it was also 
they're looking at everything and they're like $7 million. He's not probably not going to be able to make it through a season healthy anyway. Best case scenario, we get like four to six games out of a healthy winters out of him and $7 million just ain't worth it. Uh, And, you know, again, the timing of it's weird, but this every year there's three, you know, two to three players that get released around this time going into camp. And it's, it's just, it happens. Um, it stands out a little bit more because it came right after the Mosley and Adam stuff. And because of the pandemic, it just seemed a little more odd at this time, but this is a thing that happens. And I, again, I think they just looked at it and they were just like, we're not paying 7 million for the, the high point of what we can expect to get out of Brian Winters this year. We'll go with Bam Roten and Clark and, worry about and Alex Lewis and worry about everything else after that next question comes in from Kevin Harrigan he says is Logan Ryan declaring himself a safety eliminate him from consideration for the Jets I don't think it should but he would basically play the same role as Davis actually I think he would make up for a lot of what the Jets lost with Jamal Adams whether he's a safety or corner doesn't really matter that much as far as I'm concerned because he's good at setting the edge for a corner or safety which is something that None of the other safeties are particularly adept at, especially McDougal. You take a look at what he can do as far as being a chess piece with the pass rush. That's something that those safeties are not good at. And these are things that Jamal Adams was known to be able to do. I'm not entirely sure about Logan Ryan's ability to cover tight ends. I haven't taken a look at that, but obviously if he can do that, that would be a big help because that was what Jamal Adams did for the Jets too. So I don't think it matters whether he calls himself a safety or a corner. It's just the skill set that's important, and I think Greg Williams would be able to use him very, very well, which is why the Jets wanted him and seemed to be close to a deal. Whether or not something actually gets done, I don't know. It seems like, as Chris said, the Jets are in cost-saving mode, but anything is possible if he's willing to lower his price a little bit, considering that it's this late in the game and nobody signed him, then maybe it happens. I wouldn't be betting on it right now. But I do think that he'd be very useful, and I don't think he'd be redundant, regardless of whether he's a safety or a corner or whatever they want to call him. Whatever he wants to call him is irrelevant and doesn't matter at all, especially because if he got in here and Greg Williams got his hands on him, Greg Williams is going to use him however Greg Williams sees fit, and that's just going how, how it's going to be. But if it means anything, it means he's a better fit, in, in my opinion. Like, Look at Bradley McDougald. McDougald is a strong safety. He is not a Jamal Adams replacement. They're like they both play strong safety, but Jamal uh, uh, Bradley McDougal is not uh, being blitzing like Jamal was. He's not covering tight ends like Jamal was. They're not using moving him around like they used Jamal. Logan Ryan, it would be a literal Jamal replacement. You, they would use him. Ba- it, almost exactly like him there wouldn't now he's not going to be as good as Jamal obviously uh but the other thing that it does is they dressed drafted Ashton Davis with every intention of Jamal Adams still being here so they could go and get Logan Ryan and that will keep everything exactly on schedule with Ashton Davis where they can slow play him in this year they don't have they can uh don't have to ask too much of him. So in and, and every way, if that 
designation of safety, not corner, means anything. And again, I don't think it does. But if it does, it's more of a reason why he's a good fit for the Jets right now and this year and everything they're doing. I, I think it would be uh, very useful for Ashton Davis this year and going forward because, again, rook, a rookie safety is tough. Uh, also, uh, as a rookie free safety is tough. Uh, but if if you can add another safety in there with them uh, to – I think that can help them along. And then obviously Marcus may, uh, but that other piece, it, it's really a Jamal, a, a perfect Jamal replacement, just obviously not as good, but you're not going to find somebody as good as him. So I think if, if anything, it, it makes more sense for the jets. Now. Next question comes in from got the bungee. He says, would getting someone like Jadavian Clowney help out Quentin Williams, or is it more important that the linebackers are better than last year? Yeah, of course, getting Jadavian Clowney would help out Quentin Williams because it would mean that the opposing offense would have to double team Clowney, which would open some things up for Quentin Williams. And obviously having somebody on the edge that you have to pay attention to opens things up. Also, if you have Jadavian Clowney, you don't have to put so much pressure on Quentin Williams to help stop the run because Clowney is an outstanding run defender. So, yeah, of course he would help out. Now, I don't think he necessarily would help out as much as a stud pass rusher, somebody that's one of the best pass rushers in the league. But Clowney's an upgrade in that area, and he commands a lot of respect from opposing offensive lines. So you put all that together, and it would certainly be a big boost to Quentin Williams if they were to sign Clowney. I don't think they're going to at this point, much as I think that they should. But yeah, it would help out not just Quentin Williams, but many other players on that line and in the linebacking core. Yeah, it would help out Nathan Shepard and Folu Fadakasi, um, Kyle Phillips. It'll help out, uh, you know, Avery Williamson and the entire Jordan Jenkins. It'll help them all out. Um, you're right. It, it, you know, he won't help him out as much as Khalil Mack or Miles Garrett would help him out, but there's probably not 10 guys in the league that could help him out more than Clowney can because Clowney still commands the double teams. He's still, again, we've talked about this ad nauseum over the last couple of years. He is still an absolute beast against the run. Um, and he still has his moments in pass rush where he, he can be dominant. Um, but he still takes up that much attention and that much space. And Quinn and Williams hasn't done enough to do that yet. So at least to start, that focus would be on Clowney, and it's going to open things up for Quinn and for everybody else. I just don't think that the Jets are looking at that and saying that the he he would open up enough stuff for you know to make it worth it to pay him the twelve six whatever million dollars he wants for the season. I just don't see that happening for the Jets. But it is – he would abs- – there's no question he would make this defense a better team. Next question comes in from CC716. He says, why do so-called Jets fans want the team to finish 4-12 and just to see Gase get fired? That's not the definition of a true fan if you ask me. Bonus question, where do you get the best smoke meat in Montreal or New York? I'm biased, so won't answer. Great show as always. So let's start with the first part of this. I don't feel comfortable telling anybody how to be a fan. We've talked about this before, Chris. There's no one true fan argument. Me personally, 
I do think it's weird to root for the team to lose just to get rid of a coach. If anything, I would prefer to see the team do well and Adam Gase learn from his mistakes and show that many of us that are critical of him were wrong about him rather than see the Jets have a bad year just to get Gase fired, especially since a 4-12 year most likely means that Sam Darnold did not play that well. And if that happens, the Jets have problems that are much bigger than Adam Gase. As far as the Montreal or New York State smoked meat question, the answer is Texas. So I don't know why we're even debating Montreal or New York State in terms of smoked meat. And which has the better smoked meat between New York and Montreal? I can't answer that because I haven't had smoked meat in Montreal. Yeah, I'll start with that part either. I haven't had smoked meat in Montreal, so I can it cannot uh, get into that. Uh, I, I, I have to sit that out. Uh, I've been to Montreal once, but we weren't going around, uh, you know, checking out the smoked meat and whatnot. (laughs) Um, Now, the, uh, yeah, this, the, you know how I feel about just the idea and the concept of a true fan, a real fan type of thing. I, I, I hate it. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Pe- people are fans and just like anything else in life, man, people have different personalities. They want different things. They, the things, uh, you know, some, some, some things mean more to others than others that they, they want different things out of the same thing. Um, telling other people how to be a fan just n- never sits right with me. Um, but this, this year is more, even more tricky in this situation than usual. Cause a lot of times it's just people are fans are looking at the team. They're like, I, oh, we have a no nothing roster. I hate this coach anyway. Let's just lose and get rid of the coach and move on. And I think that's what a lot of the fans have right now. The problem is on the other side of that, you have year three of Darnold. So you have to kind of weigh that and balance that. Uh, but I do think as a, a lot of fans are, are sitting there looking at it, and it's just like, listen, this team, this roster ain't that great anyway. So how how good are they really going to be? And I I totally understand being how you would think no one should want to root for four and twelve. But then the other side of that is fans are looking. So you're going to root for six or seven wins and then still have Adam Gase? Because if we're talking about having a realistic shot at 12 and four, and then someone's hoping for four and 12, then, then yeah, that seems absurd. But if someone's hoping for four and 12, when the realistic chance is six or seven wins, uh, that's, that's a little bit different to me. So um, I, and now I agree, obviously, all fans should hope for some just out-of-nowhere magical season. But they just – they don't believe in Gates, and they haven't believed in Gates since he was in Miami. And then uh, it, it's hard once you don't believe in a coach, uh, once you don't believe in a quarterback, once you don't believe in a GM, fans typically are just like, just get them out of here and let's start all over again. And, and it's a hard thing for fans to shake uh, without hope of something greater in the future. I think if this roster was uh, better, which is no fault of Joe Douglas or Adam Gase's, it's McCagnin's um, still, then I think you'd see some of that subside. But right now you're looking at it and it, it, 
fans looking at it and being like, okay, even eight, nine is the absolute, where's the absolute uh, ceiling here? Uh, all right, I can see them being like, you know what, just get Adam Gaze out of here. I can understand it. I can also understand why you'd be like, don't root for the 4 and 12, but I, I can see the vision in it. That's going to wrap up part one of the mailbag. We'll be back with part two tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure that you're following Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. If you haven't had a chance to give us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.